Welcome to Head to Toe, stories from the history and future of healthcare. Hey, Happy New Year's Eve, everyone. Welcome to Head to Toe, a healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Marie McMillan, a nurse, writer, and new mom with very little free time. (laughs) I am squeezing in this podcast production at the end of the holiday season. It's been crazy. It's been busy. It's been awesome. It's very fun to have a baby at Christmas time. You just kind of pass them around like an hors d'oeuvre. It's it's super fun. It's super, super fun. Anyway, um, I've done very minimal editing on this one because of time constraints, but I'm super glad you're here to listen to it because this is the fourth annual best stories podcast i can hardly believe it the fourth annual that's that's really cool to say i don't know that there are a lot of podcasts out there that can say they have a fourth annual anything so i'm gonna pat myself on the back for that um this is my favorite thing of the year where people tell me their best story from 2019 from their bedside practice and beyond healthcare workers for those of you that know me i'm just kind of crazy about storytelling and, and i love sharing people's stories um, specifically healthcare professionals because i think it is an untapped gold mine of amazing stories that can inspire other people. So thank you to everyone who participated in this year's edition. Uh, you're going to hear from five nurses, each with a different story to tell about their work or accomplishments in 2019. They're meaningful. They're inspiring. They are really worth listening to and will hopefully stimulate you to think about your career differently, about healthcare differently. Maybe you can share it with a nurse that you know or pursue a career change. Anyway, storytelling is powerful and, and I hope you take away something from it. And without further ado, um, I give you Best Stories 2019. From burned out to refreshed in one delivery, a labor nurse's story of cynicism, excitement, and renewal. As a nurse for over 25 years, I have seen and experienced many instances of extreme joy and sadness leading to bouts of both physical and emotional exhaustion. I have tried to find some respite by way of exploring different areas of the profession, such as clinical nursing, leadership and management, teaching, and working in the office setting. Ultimately, I've always seemed to come back to my core passion, which is nursing at the bedside. My clinical Clinical focus since the very onset of my career has been in women's and infants' health, and I endeavored to explore each and every nook of this specialty with excitement and a strong sense of lifelong learning. I have learned so much and personally feel a great deal of pride surrounding my knowledge, skills, and abilities related to caring for moms and babies. Recently, however, I have become a bit breathless and find myself struggling with a fair amount of helplessness, detachment, self-doubt, cynicism, and a general decreased career satisfaction. Feeling overworked, underpaid, and quite literally spent from shift to shift is not uncommon at all in the profession of nursing, and certainly not an emotion held only by myself. In fact, these feelings described above represent a common state of emotion for healthcare workers, today called burnout. The prevalence of this state of mind is so enormous that the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Professions, commonly known as the ICD, has assigned a code for billing purposes to cover heavily reported symptoms and complaints that have recently increased dramatically and have caused health workers injury and disease. Thankfully, 
what has been one of the dirty little secrets of the healthcare setting and consequently the demise of far too many dedicated and gifted medical professionals seems to now finally be validated as a real and pressing concern for healthcare in the near future. So please allow me to illustrate by way of a personal story. A short time ago, while feeling helpless, detached, and literally burned out, I began my stretch of three 12-hour shifts in three days. I was less than excited to learn I would be assigned a very young mom who was having her first baby. It was further shared with me in report that this patient was insistent upon having no pain medication at all, and she would be laboring with a doula or birth assistant in the room. My stress level rose as I assumed the worst. Generally speaking, a doula can be hired to assist a mom in labor by way of presence, emotional support, massage, education, as well as offering general labor, coaching, and positive feedback. Most doulas are private pay employees offering a service to moms who are seeking a bit of extra support and generally well-received in the hospital setting as a whole. My experience with birth attendants up to this point has been favorable. However, there are some doulas who have difficulty with their role as support person and the role of the trained nursing and medical staff leading to a fair amount of conflict as labor progresses and interventions are needed. My generally negative emotions led me to assume I was about to have a long shift wrought with conflict, pain, and challenge. With this in mind and a good amount of burnout on my soul, I begrudgingly entered the room to meet my patient and begin my morning assessment. With introductions and initial assessment complete, professionalism reigned supreme and I set out to make a plan of care for the next 12 hours. I had concerns about my patient's age, her tolerance of pain associated with labor, her understanding of the enormity of the labor process and the fact that neither her family nor the family of the baby were here or involved in her life and the life of this baby. She seemed to be completely alone. My patient, her doula, the MD, and I discussed the next steps of the labor process. And as we spoke, I found myself surprised to hear agreement and even a bit of excitement from the doula who I had wrongly assumed would be aggressive and possibly there to challenge each and every move I made this shift. I felt myself begin to shed a bit of the cynicism and dread I was feeling and begin to feel enthusiastic about the day, supporting this lovely young lady in labor. As the day in my patient's labor progressed, the doula shared with me that she was in fact a family member of the patient and was being compensated for her support of her cousin by the state in a new evidence-based pilot program designed to incentivize women to become educated in birth assistance and doula care of laboring women. The doula attended all of her prenatal visits with her cousin, committed to help her eat well and rest often during her pregnancy, as well as support her throughout her entire labor process. I had no idea this was even a thing and happily wanted to know more as I began to see how connected and supportive she was with my patient. It was quickly becoming very clear that I was terribly wrong in my initial assumptions and that what had started out to be a negative experience was now becoming exciting and quite positive. I was feeling energized by the doula's enthusiasm and motivated by the strength of my patient as she moved through labor with literally, literally no pain medication like a warrior princess. This extreme control and focus, courtesy of complete support and devotion of her doula. At one point, I came to the room after I had suggested the patient get out of bed and move some with contractions to find my patient and her doula's 
do a little twerking <laughs> together at the side of the bed to rap music pouring out of her cell phone during a contraction. I smiled to myself as I realized what I had just witnessed. The doula, perhaps without knowing it, had just hit on the very crux of nursing care, meeting the patient on their level without judgment, reservation, intended solely to support and enhance her experience in a safe and effective manner. I was in awe at what I had just seen. The experience described above left me overwhelmed with a sense of positivity and a renewed confidence in doula service. I was quite literally touched deeply on a human level to witness sheer kindness and an amazing ability of the doula to nurse her cousin beyond any care I could possibly provide as a trained nurse assisting patients for more than two decades. The burnout I was dealing with before this shift began to melt away as I realized I had been given a gift by this patient and her doula. I was given the opportunity to go back in time to a place when I was a brand new nurse where I was excited, optimistic, humble, and eager to help pour out my soul to those in need. I left that day feeling amazing. I will never forget that delivery and commit daily to thinking of each time I feel exhausted, helpless, or cynical about the profession I sincerely love. Ha surprise. I'm going to be the fifth nurse on my own podcast sharing her best story. And I, I wasn't going to do this, but after hearing Tracy's really awesome labor and delivery nurse story, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and share my best story from 2019, which is a little bit of my birth story. Well, not my birth story, my son's birth story. I guess I did the birthing. I don't know how you want to put it grammatically. But anyway, I was a patient for the first time in my life and Jesus did it give me perspective. It is not fun to be a patient, guys. It is not fun at all. I've worked in healthcare over 10 years and I've taken care of, like, I don't know, maybe a thousand patients, maybe more. And I've never been on the other side of the bed rail. And it was really humbling and in retrospect, really good for me to have that experience and take all the things from that experience. And it's interesting how it has altered my career a little bit. So I gave birth to my son in July. I worked 12 hour shifts right up until the end of my pregnancy. I worked a 12 hour shift the day before my son was born. Um, My coworkers were laughing at me. I mean, you know, one, because of my very rotund abdomen and appearance, you know, walking up and down the ICU hallway. Um, at 7 a.m. at shift report that morning, uh, we have a little safety meeting where, you know, the charge nurse is like, oh, here's how shitty our ICU is today. You know, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> I made the announcement of, hey, I'm due in five days and I would like to go into labor today. So if anybody has any... Um, big turns, any help, any CPR you need out there, let me know. I'm going to be the nurse who's very pregnant walking up and down the hallway trying to go into labor. (laughs) They just, they laughed at me, but I worked 12 hours. I went home. I went to sleep for just a little bit. And then my water broke at two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So, you know, I did the thing where I I call the on-call gynecologist and, or, or OB, I should say, I was like, hey, sorry to bother you in the middle of the night, but my water broke and what do I do now? And she was like, oh, why don't you come on in? And I was like, okay. Get in the car, starting to feel a little uncomfortable. 
Got to the hospital. Okay, right around 6 a.m. I got my IV in. I've given them my verbal health history and said, you know, I don't have any suicidal ideation. No, I have not had any sick contacts. Yes, I got my flu vaccine last year. All the I'm going through my own H&P because I know what boxes they have to click in Epic. And, you know, they thought that was kind of funny, too. And then the contraction started. And boy... It was an experience. I'm not going to give you guys a real play-by-play, but here are some things that I remember. I remember the nurses who took the time to not only take care of me, but make made me feel taken care of. And I during all of this labor process between several IV starts, two epidural sticks, uh, six hours of nitrous oxide inhalation that inevitably didn't work and I had dilated 0.5 centimeters and I said, fuck it, call anesthesia. (laughs) Finally, the epidural was working after two attempts and, you know, it got the smidge of fentanyl in between. And I was like, that's amazing. Can I have more of that? And they said, no, it's just, it's not, labor is really hard for, for everybody involved. And so I really appreciated the nurses who not only did their jobs and took care of me and took care of the baby and explained everything to my husband, you know, who did the things that we all are supposed to do. But the ones who took the time to hold my hand, look me in the tear stained face and say, it's okay. We got you. Here's what's going to happen next. And you just really do remember those nurses. And that's what I was thinking as I was finally numb from the navel down that this is what it can really be boiled down to. Bedside nursing can be boiled down to taking care of the patient and then also making them feel like they're taken care of. So that is something that I sort of took back with my practice when I finally went back to work after a four-month maternity leave is, you know, I'm really going to be conscious of what I say around patients and how I am around patients. There were a few instances where I would say the professionalism was perhaps on the lower end in the middle of the night when I had a crying infant. I'd been up for 40 hours and, you know, I was bleeding from the lower half of my body. And you just don't really appreciate the nurses who stand there and do their weekend update while they're trying to flush Pitocin into you. It's it's And it's it's stuff that I've done. It's stuff that I have totally done as the bedside nurse, you know, you're turning a patient, you're flushing meds and you're in there with your buddy you haven't seen in like two weeks. And you're like, oh, hey, how was your vacation? All this stuff. And you're just in this other world while you're doing your job. And then being on the other side of that as a patient. Wow, that was that was something else. I was pissed, but <laughs> I probably wasn't a very good patient. Nurses don't make very good patients, man. So that gave me a lot of perspective of how I speak to patients, what I'm saying in front of them. And then taking care of them, doing my job, but also checking in with them to see if I'm making them feel like they're taken care of. And to those labor and delivery nurses who who did help me before and after my son was born and helped my husband immensely and, you know, through the whole process, it was it was just great. And um, I, I'm glad that I had that insight after my very visceral experience of first time vaginal birth and you know all the amazing things that go along with that uh I was I was thankful for the realization and insight that I had and that's why that is my best story of 2019 that and the fact that I have an adorable five-month-old now who giggles and rolls over but does not sleep through the night but I still love him so so much and my husband and I'm just so happy for 
our growing family and just being a three person unit right now. And it's been a really good holiday. So that's my best friend. Hey, Marie, uh, this is KP Mendoza. I'm not sure if you still remember me, but you had interviewed me back in 2018, just after I had graduated from my undergraduate program, and then right before I had taken the NCLEX. And uh, yeah, I just thought I'd call because I saw your post on social media about the search for, you know, the best of 2019 stories, and I figured this would be like a nice little update and also a cool uh, jump ahead in time to see where, where I'm at. And uh, the highlight of my 2019 is that I just passed my CCRN exam last Friday um, on the 20th. And so I'm really excited because this really was the culmination of a lot of my efforts. Um, I still remember when I was looking for an ICU job, a lot of my close peers and mentors were telling me that, you know, you should start in med search. You, you should not go into ICU. You should not do this. You are not ready, blah, blah, blah. And I think what a lot of 2019 has taught me was a lot of grit and endurance. I love proving people wrong, but more than that, I love proving myself right. And I think um, passing the CCRN exam was truly a big step forward for me and also in, in reminding myself that I'm capable. Um, I still remember when I gave the graduation speech uh, for my graduating class. I was the baccalaureate speaker on behalf of the NYU nursing program, and I was able to thank my parents in front of thousands of people. And that was just so validating because they had moved from the Philippines, they'd immigrated to the U.S., and they're both nurses themselves, and that will honestly be one of the best moments of my life. But now, a year later, it's so rewarding to see that I'm still pursuing a path of self-development. And I recorded my parents and their reactions, and they were still so over the moon, just as I was. And honestly, it was just, it's nice to still keep impressing my parents, but also to keep impressing myself that, you know, no matter how much I strive, you know, people will say that, oh, you can't do it, you can't do this. And I think it's just a really good reminder of resilience. And um, it was just a nice way to end my year. It was like a good Christmas present to myself that I was able to, to just validate my knowledge in critical care, but also to uh, keep on chugging, to keep advancing myself in the field of nursing. So thanks so much for having me. Uh, and I wish you all the best and happy holidays. Hi there, everyone. My name is Tofiki Gafar Shainer, and I'm with my good friend and business partner, Joey Ferry. We are both nurses at the bedside, been at the bedside for a long time. But recently, we've started a new venture called Frontier Health and Resources, where we uh, make products that make patients' lives better and improve nurse workflow. Um, for us, our best story for the year is, is just the ones that remind us of what, why we do what we do. And Joey, go ahead and uh, start us off. Yeah, for me, so uh, throughout this entire process, it's been a, a crazy year, uh, just yeah. starting a business, trying to develop something and create uh, as a bedside nurse. But uh, for me, what really stands out and what was my moment of uh, clarity for why we do this is, uh, is when we first applied these pads and seeing a patient look over and see the safe seizure logo and say, Oh, that's why you guys pad the bed rails. Um, and saying, I never knew why they were wrapping the bed with blankets before. Uh, yeah, this is pretty clear why, why you're uh, padding the bed rails. So 
it was really cool to see that. Uh, and that's something, you know, remember in our process, that was one of the things we wanted was it to be very clear what these pads were designed for. And so that was a really cool moment um, of many. <clears throat> but that one stands out because it was so uh, patient centered and uh, really drove home what we as nurses, uh, you know, when we're teaching patients about why we're doing some of the things we do. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was a cool moment. Uh, what about you? Was there something that stood out this year? Uh, for me, it was kind of like a, a aha moment for someone else, but not for myself. It was that um, I, I we both worked at the bedside still and our products currently used at the hospital we're at and many other hospitals in the area. But I've come back to work and a coworker of mine was like, hey, you won't believe what happened. And I said, what? She was like, we had a patient actively seizing and your seizure pads were on the bed row. I was like, what? I've only got to witness maybe less than five active seizures in my whole nursing career. But like the fact that somebody got to witness it and my product, the product that you and I created was able to keep that patient safe during that scary time. It was just like, it was like, Oh, it hit the nail on the head of like, this is why we needed to make sure it was a universal size that fit every bed and made sure that, like you said, the patients understand why the bad rails are there in case to know that they're at risk for seizures. So like seeing somebody else validate, the way we made it and why we made it and the thickness that we decided it was just like a it was like a very very like rewarding thing to hear as to like why we do what we do and and why we made the product the way we made it yeah actually that reminds me of a story that it's not as great as, as your story because it was a more frustrating situation i was floating down to the emergency room and had a patient my patient started actively seizing uh, they were seizing right there and it was a uh, it was scary and the staff, myself and the other nurses were trying to pad the bed rails in a hurry. And the only pads that they had were the big, super big foam. Ones from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ones from the, exactly the ones from the 80s. And we were trying to pad the rails with those and they didn't fit the bed at all. They kept falling over while this man's actively seizing. Mm. It was scary and frustrating, but it, it too uh, was an aha moment. Because it's like, man, where are our pads? Like, yeah. we know that ours work differently and work better. So... It was uh, kind of, you felt like your hands were tied. Yeah, it, it, it did. Um, but it also helped me realize like, wow, this is why we're doing what we're doing. You know, it was really cool um, moment to realize, unfortunately for that patient, but um, to drive home, like we created something that works. So. We create something that works and why we keep pushing to get it in every department is because we know it fits the nurse workflow. When nurses, when things are going down, there's no time to like, how do I put this on? Ours just goes on snap quickly. Um, the other part of what made 2019 so great was the fact that like, see, we do conferences and we talk at conferences and, and talk about nursing innovation and seeing nurses see us talk about nursing innovation has inspired some nurses to go out and do what we've done it they've had this idea since they've been a nurse since you know for 30 years and they've always wanted to work on a certain product or try new ventures and seeing us has inspired a few nurses and i think there was a there was a what happened uh, there was a mobile hydration guy right yeah yeah uh, after one of our conferences uh, we usually uh, answer a bunch of questions when we're done and then some people come up to the podium or meet us in the lobby and this guy came right up to the podium and said can i talk to you guys outside and we talked to him for at least 45 minutes um, because he too was one of these nurses that wanted to venture out and do something independently or be a, a nurse entrepreneur and uh, he wanted to do a mobile hydration company, like you said. Yeah. But he was terrified. He didn't know where to start. Um, was just scared about the process and taking that leap. Yeah. And it was funny because a week later, if you remember, he sent us an email saying, "Hey guys, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. 
I just want to let you know I did it. I started my own company. I have my own LLC. Yeah. I'm in the mobile hydration business. And it was that was really cool. That was that was I do remember we were talking to him and he was he had a lot of questions like how do you start a business and all this and all that. And since we've been down that road, we we didn't give him like legal advice, but we just shared our experience. And that was it seems like that was enough to like get him to take yeah. the first few leaps to like I've been at the bedside for a long time. I liked it, but I know this is what I what I want to do outside the hospital. This is what I, I want my legacy to be. And I think that was amazing that he took that leap just from seeing us. And I, sometimes it takes seeing a reflection of yourself in order to like make those leaps. And that's what we've seen in 2019 is we've met so many amazing nurses who are doing crazy things in tech and doing anti-bullying campaigns and doing everything to, to better healthcare in general from all different aspects and knowing that they're doing awesome things has inspired us to do awesome things. So it's kind of like, it's, it's, we're supporting each other being good representations of where we want healthcare to go. And that's, it's been a wonderful 2019 of meeting lots of amazing people like that. Yep. Definitely changed my perspective um, in just this year alone. So cool. And I think uh, that's about it. We appreciate you having us. Thank you very much. And there you have it. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, KP, Tracy, Daufiki, and Joey for participating for recording your own stories and sending them to me. I got to say, I do like this format for listeners, uh, recording their own stories and then sending them to me. And then, you know, I do love being able to have the interview style where we set up a Skype chat or a phone call and we're able to really go back and forth and get into the in-depth part of it. I do love that, but I just didn't have the time. So I really appreciate you guys doing the recording on your own and, and setting it in. Um, and hey, listeners out there, you can do this too. If you have a story to share from your healthcare work, record it on your phone and email it to me or leave me a voicemail on the feedback line, 503-512-0185. There's a three-minute time limit on that one though. Or just email me and let's figure out a way to have your story be featured on Head to Toe in 2020. I, Like I said in the beginning, I just love storytelling. I love to hear from all the healthcare professionals out there. You could be a physician. You could be a respiratory therapist. You could be a hospital janitor. You could be a medical receptionist, anybody. You'd be a patient. I would love to hear more patient stories. So anybody out there listening, if you've got something meaningful from being a part of healthcare, email me, macmillanpages at gmail.com. And let's see if we can't share it with other people. I'm not certain what my plans are for podcasting in 2020 are. My life is very busy. Um, I've got some guest spots coming up on other shows. So stay tuned for seeing links about that. I'm publishing a book in February. No big deal. That's going to be, that's going to be a busy start to 2020 guys. So, um, to stay, you know, informed on, on all things head to toe and, and, and my writing stuff, uh, maybe sign up for my newsletter on my website homepage if you haven't already at Mac, uh, mariemcmillan.com. Um, and of course, you know, like, rate, review the show. Like every podcast out there says, share it with your friends. You know, I people like to start new podcast listening all the time. I feel like people are always like, hey, what's a cool podcast you're listening to? The, the one that I have started recently is called Ologies. That's super cool. I, I like that one. Thank you, Amanda, my friend Amanda, for telling me about that. You guys know the drill. I hope each of you have a safe and happy New Year's. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be asleep by 9 p.m. tonight. Um, thank you guys for listening again. And thank you so much to my guests for participating. Check the show notes, guys, for uh, links to Frontier LLC if you're curious about those seizure pads. 
check the links there and you can get in touch with Dofiki and Joey. And if you have anything else, yeah, you know where to find me. All my contact info is on my website. So there you go. I hope you guys have a safe and happy New Year's and uh, I'll talk to you in 2020.